Now today I've got two guests. Uh, Joanne Dewar is the Chief Executive Officer of Global Processing Services, a proven go-to payments processing partner for today's leading challenger banks, including Revolu, Styling Bank and Curve. Also joining me is Sam Seaton, the CEO of Money Hub, the market leading open finance platform for customer centric organizations and at the industry forefront for financial data aggregation, intelligence and payments. Welcome both of you. I think it's really an interesting topic that we're talking about today. So as a bit of a background, only 30% of the fintech workforce is made up of women. And that figure drops when we're talking about fintech leaders to just 17%. So I think it might be good maybe to, to kick off and ask you both, why do you think there's such a lack of women at the top of fintech? Joe, do you want to take that one first? Yeah, there's so many different reasons. Um, you know, both in terms of uh, in in tech in particular, there's there's a challenge all the way through, and then in leadership generally across all the industries, there's you know uh, challenges. So you bring those two together, you know, fintech or technology leadership, and you've really got um, you know a a very small cohort, and uh, you know it's a crying shame because those that are around are demonstrating that they are sort of both incredibly talented, but also uh, very strong uh, leaders with, you know, often quite sort of progressive uh, leadership approaches that, um, you know, are really beneficial to the, the industry and, and the wider world. So desperate to, to try and help make a difference. Um, in our organization, I'm pleased to report we're sort of not on those stats. Um, you know, helped by by the fact that, you know, not only having me as a female CEO, but we've got sort of um, sort of uh, a, a very sort of specific agenda on, on uh, diversity, inclusion and belonging, crucially. So we've got 40% uh, of our wider leadership team are female and um, uh, it's about 35% across the organisation. And interestingly, we run inductions on a monthly basis. Uh, for our new joiners and of the nine that started this week eight were women so that was really interesting so the majority yeah. excellent <laughs> oh and and Sam what's what's it been like from your point of view so it, I mean it is really tough actually I you know whenever we you know hire developers engineers of any kind it's very difficult to find you know female engineers so um you know, I would say they're as rare as hen's teeth, you know, is, is what the saying goes. And I, I, I'd love to think they're not, but but they are. And what do I think it's all about? I actually think it's two key things. Um, I think it's the lack of role models and the lack of the lack of what financial services as an industry does. So if you look at uh, the medical world, they've definitely cracked, you know, the, the doctors being more, you know, being as, you know, many females as, as men. And, and actually, although some of the consultants at the top levels, that's not the case. That's because actually they're still coming through. But it's not going to, you can see, it's not going to be that long before it's potentially even more women doctors than, than, than male. So they, they've cracked it. But I, I thought about that a bit. And I thought, why haven't we cracked it? You know, why, why, what's stopping us? And I thought, well, I, I think it's because financial services is so broad, whereas 
you, you know, if you train to be a doctor, you train to be a doctor. And although that does actually have lots of you know, options after that, you start off by going to do a course as a doctor, don't you? And I, it's not how financial services work. You can start in asset management. You can start in the advice world. You know, there's so many places you can start. And then unfortunately for, for, for all of those areas, if you look at those businesses, there aren't enough role models, I think, in place. And probably people like Joanna and I that can actually genuinely hang on to, um, you know, to, to, to enable more women to be welcome in, in our organisations. So I think it does get hindered from that lack of women at the top. I think as well, you know, the burden of care that women face these days, it, does it does it make positions at the top inaccessible, would you say? Or is it, is it hindering? Obviously, it's hindering, but it, can it be overcome, I, I guess, is the question. Joe, do you want to say that one? So, yeah, I mean, there, there's many... There's many options on how to be able to balance uh, childcare uh, and a career, but they're, they're not often spoken about. And so I think, you know, for those that are making those decisions, uh, you know, in their late 20s, early 30s, um, it's, uh, you know, when you can't see the potential options, then you make assumptions around, you know, well, you you have to stop work to to have a family or maybe you're just uh, you know on maternity leave and it just looks like you either stop or you're you know full blown back to the work and you know it's external childcare support and there's nothing in between whereas actually there's a whole spectrum of options in between um, but we don't spend enough time sort of sharing those examples to be able to help people recognize that there are more choices there that may actually help people maintain a balance uh, over time and it may well be that you don't achieve everything from a personal and family perspective and a career perspective in the same moment in time but you can actually sort of explore your life in chapters a bit more and one of the things is you know I'm sort of a proponent of is and an example of is returnships and the, the ability, even after a significant period out of the workforce, if we can create the right uh, structures, support structures, both in the workplace and in the childcare support to enable uh, returnships, there's an ability to be able to help people back into the work workforce after a leave of absence. And Sam, what are your thoughts? So I, I think it's got to be about flexibility, and I really hope that with the pandemic that we've just been through globally we might have actually cracked that finally because I've always been a huge advocate that it doesn't matter where you do your work from I think this idea that people are more productive in an office I really think is flawed and I know people will argue to all the cows component I've even been fed back stats that I'm incorrect and we're 25% more productive but what my challenge to that is is that uh, that, that to me just says that the environment isn't right. There's no reason people can't be as productive at home as they are in the office. And if we want to keep people through those chapters that Joanne was just you know, mentioning, I, I think we have to be willing to go there. And to give an example, so we had a, um, uh, our QA lead, uh, she explained to, to her line manager that she needed to go part-time because her husband was going to be away and she needed to do more of the you know, take more responsibility for the children than, than they'd be, you know, she'd been able to um, share with her husband. 
And so I got asked in some management meeting, you know, was it all right for you know her to go part time, and how would we manage that? And then I just went back and said, well, are you, you sure she wants to go part time? I mean, could could she just work flexible hours? I mean, you know, that suit her. She's got two young children, maybe once, and her husband's away now, so that's why she's got all this um, responsibility during the week. And maybe she would she would like to, to to stop at three and start again, do another hour or two at eight. I, I don't know. So we went back to her and um, said, you know, you can definitely go part time. That's no problem. But you can also stay full time. And even if you want to do a few hours on a Saturday to make up, you know, it's up to you how you manage your week. We are not worried. And she stayed full time and actually worked even better because actually she does a little bit in the evening. So, of course, the, when, when the team come in on the morning, she's done a bit of a mopping up at the end of the day, which suits them brilliantly. So I would say we're even more productive as a result of that change. I, I just I just don't know why we can't do more of that. So it's very to, to, to link it to the the job that I had after I had my uh, my first child. So this is going back um, 16 years. It was in Canary Wharf. Um, I, you know, asked to work part time. What was created was four days a week in the office. Um, it was, you know, an hour's commute. You had to allow it for it to be an hour and a quarter. And, uh, you know, nursery hours were only eight till six uh, at home. So, I, you know, I, the earliest I could get into the office was just after nine. And I had to leave the office at quarter to five in order to get there before the, the, the nursery was shut. And you would get berated and fined and, you know, a risk of expulsion. Uh, if you were if you were running late or stuff was happening with the trains and things so by definition regardless of this you know might had a relatively you know senior role but I was arriving and you know arriving late departing early um, you know any work that I did outside of that wasn't visible and so I felt that I wasn't doing my job as well as I could have been and I was a you know bad mum because I was always the the last and you know I was never actually sort of feeding you know the own your, your own food it was you know every meal was a nursery meal and you know it was getting back just in time for you know bath and, and, and bed and and I didn't feel that I was doing any of those roles well um, but I completely agree if you can take out the the commute and increase the flexible working and I think whilst the pandemic has created definitely short-term negatives. I'm hoping they're short-term and not short to medium, but I'm hoping sort of medium to long-term, they've actually created this new uh, acceptance of flexible working that will be a real enabler for the balance of, um, you know, work and family life. Because, you know, to use that point again of nursery hours and how constraining they were, Oh my God, once you get to, you know, starting primary school and, you know, for the first three weeks, they're doing a half day and got to be picked up at 12. And then the next three weeks, they're going to do, you know, one till two. And then you need to pick up at 2.45. You know, the, the whole school construct is not designed for, uh, you know, for working parents. And most, there's, there's an inbuilt assumption that most families these days parents... Need. And, you know, predominantly the female is, you know, the mother is, is at home and, and, and available at a moment's notice for whatever the, you know, cake cutting ceremony is. 
<laughs> uh, with Harvest Festival coming up next week, I fully agree. <laughs> I fully agree with that. Uh, but I mean, in terms of, we've both spoken about about the pandemic, where where do you think five to ten years we could be if we get it right now? What do you think the, the kind of the gender norms would be then? I'm, I'm very much hoping that it's you know it's quite different for men and women. So um, you know, I think it's enabling women to you know particularly have uh, you know more senior roles with with higher commitments is not just about the women; it's about the whole sport environment. And I'm super super fortunate to have a, a supportive husband that's sort of able to to pick up the strain because you know outside the pandemic I do a lot of travel I'm opening offices and going to conferences in, in different parts of the world and you know that just doesn't work without a support infrastructure and so I've been really lucky with with uh, my husband that you know I took a period of time out and then we've done a full swap and you know currently you know he's picking up the uh the, the slack on the um on the you know the the school uh drop-offs and after school activities etc um and without that my job would be it, it would be almost impossible to do so it has to be that you know all jobs become flexible not just jobs for women become flexible the you know the opportunity for uh, you know, um, you know, secondments or, uh, you know, extended leave or, uh, you know, paternity leave, all these kind of things. It's really important to get right. And I think we only need to look at what's uh, been achieved in the Nordics for some, you know, really good examples. And if we can get closer to that model, both in terms of the, the child support, the cost of child support, the sort of the before and after school clubs, and the you know the the um, the structures that are put in place for men and women, and the normalisation of a man being at pickup is is fine, and you know a a dad going to a mum to arrange a, a play date is not seen to be odd. You know all of these things need to be normalised for the whole thing to work for the long term. Excellent. And and Sam, what would you suggest? Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree with Joanna, you know, Joanna there. It's got to be equalised for both because that will mean that um, men who want to take more of an active role in, in, in the home life can, which, you know, if you, if you prevent them from, from doing that, then you are also preventing from women being able to do more in the work. So it's a, literally, a, it's almost a, it's passing ships in the night, you know, you've got to swap them around a bit and, and that will help the balance. But I think the other, the other thing we've got to acknowledge, or I think for some of the listeners, I think we've got to acknowledge is that, Think you have to work out for you personally what you're willing to give on and what you're not and and I, I think you can't underestimate that I think nothing there isn't anything in life that doesn't come with compromise and and so it is a little bit about what what where where are you willing to compromise and where aren't you willing to compromise that doesn't mean that you can't achieve what you want to achieve it just might mean that it's I, I, it might not mean it's in asset management it might mean it's in the advice world or the well set so I think you've got to be a little bit I, I call it boxing clever so you know you 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 know you, you want to think about what's really important to you which maybe it is picking the children up at three o'clock every day or maybe it's um you're a top sports person and you're not going to give that up I mean it, it doesn't really matter what it is in my opinion 
because it's all about enjoying the journey in life because I think if you enjoy the journey in life uh, I think you can achieve great things so I think you've got to stay incredibly positive and forward-looking and energized to achieve great things so therefore you've got to somehow create that in your life if you if you end up being very how do I call it like pedestrian going from one chaotic moment to another it's very wearing mm. so I don't think I think you've got to be realistic you can't live your life like that that's I don't think that's the way to live your life so you've got to think right take a step back what am I compromising on what am I not and therefore where might that work or suit and and you know if it isn't this bit here at the moment for, for rightly or wrongly head over here make it happen over here but I, I think that's that's probably the bit of advice I try and give to people. It's not perfect yet. So let's hope in five, 10 years, more, more, more sectors, more companies have opened up. But while perhaps you find some blockers, don't just keep hitting your head against a brick wall. Move, go do something else, but make it happen. I, I really, and I think it is possible. That's some really good insights there. And, and both of you, it's been, been lovely kind of sharing your experiences. Um, just to, to maybe finally end on on some advice, what advice would you give to women looking to further their career in, in fintech right now? Um, Sam, we'll go back to you. So my word of advice is be more feisty. I mean, I, I look at the, the difference that I see and I, I, I think women have got to be more daring, ask for more, want more and expect more from their line managers, from the people of them, because the the, the male people, you know, that when you look at where they get to, they don't get there because they don't ask and they don't push. So I think just uh, that's my one word of kind of thing is, you know, and it's quite difficult. I think it isn't always that easy to do. But I think just remember, you've got absolutely nothing to lose and a lot to gain. Excellent. And Joe, it's, it's something I speak about as well. I, I add to that by um, likening it to, uh, to sailing into the wind. And actually you need to, in order to sort of go in a particular direction, you need to tap back and forth. And so sometimes you need to uh, behave in exactly the way you say in order to, um, you know, to get what you deserve, uh, uh, quite frankly. But uh, we need to sort of temper that with, uh, you know, not losing who you actually are and, and sort of tacking back the other way such that we can sort of drop the ladder down for others and make it uh, easier to and, and make uh, voices more uh, readily heard uh, regardless of how others are speaking. So that shouldn't, shouldn't have to be one form of behaviour in order to be heard. Um, there, there often is at the moment and sometimes we need to have that voice in order to be heard. At the same time, we need to be able to use our influence when we are around the table to be able to um to to yeah get other voices heard excellent well it's been lovely to hear from you both today and thank you so much for joining me um, and i hope we can talk about this again soon so thank you thank you thanks gina